Welcome to the Easy Living Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Garen Kiten. Uh, today is January 26th, 2024, and we're coming to you live from Mr. Mike Bozeman's house here in Deland, Florida. Um, real quick, I just want to give an update on the order of the next episode. So we're going to do uh, the interview with Mike today, and then um, our uh, friend of mine, uh, Eddie, he's playing some tournaments uh, this weekend, so we're going to actually wait till hopefully he wins the tournament this weekend, and then we will go ahead and get his interview in. So I just wanted to make that known ahead of time. We were going to do it the other way around, but we're going to get to uh, Mike first. So without further ado, Mike, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, Garen. Uh, good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate good. it. Uh, so just you want to introduce yourself to everybody and kind of just describe kind of your history with poker, what you do maybe for a living yeah, sure. and kind of like that, and then we'll go from there. All right. So uh, probably like a lot of people um, back in... I guess 2003 is when I got introduced to poker, like the Chris Moneymaker story. I remember seeing that um, happen and thinking, wow, this guy like came up. Well, first of all, he has a great name, <laughs> but he, yeah. came, he came out of like nowhere and like played an online poker tournament for 40 bucks. And now he's playing in the World Series of Poker. Mm-hmm. So that kind of fascinated me. And then ESPN showing it. So that got me started into online poker. And then the very next year, 2004, me and a few friends flew out to Vegas. Um, we didn't go during the World Series. We went after, but we went m- mostly for poker. We had never been to Vegas. So that was my first trip. Played some poker, went to Binion's a lot, uh, saw the history. Because at the time, that was the year Raymer won, and it was at Binion's. So they still mm-hmm. had the signs up and the pictures, and we thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And um, played some dailies, and I won two dailies in a row. And, of course, for, you know, like if I, my first year playing, so I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm the greatest player ever. Yeah, I'm going to be yeah. the next moneymaker. So, yeah. That kind of got me started. Uh, we started playing online. Um, I signed up at Poker Stars under the name Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, that was it. it was before the movies, so the movies kind of stole my thunder. But yeah, um, that's a copyright infringement by them, right? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, they should have reached out to me. But so I, I played under under that name, and I kind of played for like for a while. I was maybe a couple years. That was my primary source of income, uh, mostly online. I would play live occasionally to mix it up but we would uh multi-table i'd have two monitors uh 24 inch monitors side by side mm-hmm. and you could multi-table up to 24 tables and that's what i did i played 24 games mm-hmm. at once yeah see back then i could only do i could get to about 12. i yeah. for whatever reason that was like the number if i got any higher than that i felt out of control now if i play online i usually top it out like three or four i just tried to like yeah remain more focused i don't know probably just because I don't play as often as I used to back then but yeah um so do you want to talk about what you do then for a living now and then yeah yeah so, how, how did you get into that right so all right so after doing the online thing for a few years um then it became so I'm fast forwarding a little bit but 2011 mm-hmm. was Black Friday mm-hmm. and by that time I was really um serious in the online poker so when that one day I wake up and I go to log in I'm like see FBI I'm like what is this is someone kind of was my computer like do I have a virus so and then my friend started texting me, hey, man, have you logged in yet today? I'm like, yeah, what's going on? So that was Black Friday that we call it back in April of 2011, I believe. So then I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? I've been doing this for so long for income. So I thought, well, if I can't play poker for a living now online, at least, then let me go to school and learn how to be a dealer. I'll do the other side. So I mm-hmm. uh, signed up for a poker dealing school in Jacksonville, uh, went there for seven weekends and um Passed with flying colors, and then I was fortunate right after the class, uh, Daytona was hiring dealers. So I did an audition, passed it, got hired in, 
when I got hired in, they offered me a dual rate position, which I didn't know what that was because I was still fairly new. And I was like, what is the dual rate? And they said, well, you'll deal mostly, but we're going to stand you up to floor every once in a while. And I said, okay, I mean, sure, I guess. And I started doing tournaments right away, got really good at it. Then they asked me to move up to uh, like a full-time floor where I would only be dealing once a week and then mostly flooring. And then they asked me to take over tournaments. And then I kind of just went from there. And that was 2011 until 2021. I was with Daytona Beach Racing Car Club, and then we transitioned over to Orange City Racing Car Club. So I spent mm -hmm. 10 years with that company. And at the very end, I was a shift manager. So I went from dealer the dual rate to full-time floor and then the shift manager at the very end. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, so I've always wondered this, I wanted to ask you one of these questions. So you were in charge of tournaments. Mm -hmm. um, how much autonomy over the tournaments did you get? Like, did they have certain things, hey, you have to do this, 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 and then you can elaborate on these, or was it totally your show to put together? That's so, what I've always wondered. I've never really asked anybody that. Yeah. Um, for a little short period, it was, they were asking me to come up with ideas and structures, and then they ended up bringing in another tournament director from uh, whenever the new poker manager came down, Dom from up north. Mm -hmm. He brought down his tournament director, so um, Amy. And then mm -hmm. so a Amy okay. ended up taking over. I kind of was just assisting her from that point on. But before that, I was kind of coming up with ideas and price points and structures and rate percentages, and we talked it over. And So I kind of had a pretty good hand in the tournament setup. Okay. So you would like just... That. Uh, make a suggestion on the and then you just get final approval from mm -hmm. over overseas. Okay, yeah, I gotcha. Um, how often did you go to them with ideas and get shut down? Was it was it did you get shut down more often or um, what would you say? Do you think I would say so? I was constantly. I I would say I was having ideas a lot because I um <clears throat> even though I'm you know so when I'm working I'm still loving to go play as much mm -hmm. as possible. So I'm traveling to Tampa and Hollywood and Las Vegas. So I'm getting ideas from these places, and I'm listening to player feedback. So I did seem to have a, a lot of ideas. I, I wouldn't say the percentage was high that they yeah. implemented. Yeah, see, that's I've always thought that. Yeah. Like, if they have somebody like you that like plays all the time and that knows the pulse of everybody, and like, why yeah. wouldn't they just listen? You know, right. what I mean? more often you'd think it'd be more successful. Yeah. So it was a little frustrating because <clears throat> I felt like you know, um, a lot of these ideas were pretty good, and they. It, it, even down the road, some of them would get implemented, and mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like okay, that's nice to see, but it's three years later, and maybe at that point, actually after I left, some of the stuff got implemented. That was kind of frustrating to see, but mm -hmm. I mean, then on the other hand, are they going to go with every single idea you have? You know, I think maybe they want some of the ideas to come from up top at the very top. So. Yeah. But yeah, it you know so yeah, I would just taking as much feedback as I could, knowing what the players wanted, and then going to management and saying, look, this is what other rooms are doing. This is what players are looking for. So I feel we should make these changes. Sometimes they did. Sometimes they did. Okay. Do you want to talk about where you're currently at, uh, as far as? Yeah. Working? So in 21, after 10 years, I had left uh, the company. I needed a fresh start. Uh, right after COVID, I was kind of a little burned out with poker. I wasn't sure, you know, especially the very initial shock of COVID. They all the fear they were putting in people. I was mm -hmm. like, do I want to stay in this industry? Like, once we go back to work, I'm surrounded by all these people, super close. Anyways, I started thinking, what do I want to do? So put my resume out there for a few companies. I did get um, contacted by Wawa, mm -hmm. um, and I decided I had a real good opportunity with them. So I did work with Wawa for a year, assistant general manager. I really enjoyed it. A great company. Um, before poker, my background was restaurants. I worked for 15, 20 years in the food industry. So that parlayed me into getting into Wawa because mm -hmm. 
Wawa has a lot of food, you know, you can go there and order a lot, a lot of food. So my food background helped me get that position. Uh, so then I did that for a year, but then uh, it came to World Series of Poker time in 2022. And I had always kind of been a bucket list to maybe work the World Series of Poker. Mm -hmm. And I thought I can never do it working in the poker industry because they're not going to give me off for seven weeks. So mm -hmm. I saw an opportunity. Uh, they had increased the pay that year for dealers. They were guaranteeing higher amounts. So I made a tough decision to leave Wawa. Uh, in May of 22, and then I went out to Vegas, and I did work for eight, seven weeks out there. Yeah, That's I do remember this. I went out there that <laughs> summer and saw you there. It was, yeah. it was awesome. I, I could tell that you enjoyed it. Like a lot of those dealers are just running rampant, but like you were mm -hmm. just like wanted to go all in, so you, it was yeah. perfect for you at that moment. Yeah. Yep. And I then, gotcha. so and uh, I, I I made the most of the opportunity because I knew it might not happen again. I really enjoyed it. I made some good money, but then meanwhile. Um, I had made contacts in the poker industry, one of them being Jesse Hollander with Best Bet. And he, like, I would run into him in tournaments, mostly down in, because he likes to play the mixed games like I do. So if we'd run into each other, I had seen him January of that year, 22. We were in Hollywood, and he said, hey, Mike, we're building another location in St. Augustine. Um, I don't know if you're interested or not getting back in. I said, well, actually, yeah, I actually might be. So we kept in touch. After the World Series, well, when the World Series is going on, he said, uh, we're looking at a possible um, August opening. And I said, well, that's perfect. The World Series goes to the middle of July. Mm -hmm. I can finish that, maybe take a month off, and then jump right in. So we talked about it. He offered me a position. And then it didn't open. We ended up opening in September. It was like a month after a month that. Late, yeah. So I ended up taking two months off, which kind of crushed the profits I made for that summer working in Vegas. Yeah. But um, you know, it was nice to have two months off of work and yeah. took a vacation, spent some time with the kids and the wife. And then we opened up at the end of September and I've been there since. So about a year and four months now I've been with Best Bet in St. Augustine. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, speaking from experience, that, that room is, in my opinion, just for really in the entire state of Florida, Best Bet, the, the, both locations are the nicest, like it's the nicest poker room, um, in my opinion. Yeah. Most, I think most people would actually agree with that. Um, yeah, I sure. I think that like the the best part up there is just like the cleanliness is way better than other places, mm -hmm. and then also just the service and the, you know the food options are, are better than most places. So I yeah, give definitely give the sushi, yeah, oh, sushi, yeah. the rice bowls, yeah. yeah, we definitely got some good food there. And like you said, the the management staff and the staff in general, uh, for me working with the company for ten years and now seeing this, it's for me it's it's a refreshing change. And That's good. I work with a lot of really good people, so. When they opened that room, they took most of the staff from Jacksonville and Orange Park locations to move them over because it's kind of a family there. A lot of them, mm -hmm. like the Jesse and the Deb, um, that they've all been together. They started back in Vegas at the Win, so oh, wow. 20, 30 years, of most of the same people work together. So it felt pretty good to be taken in as an outsider. Like I was the only one from the outside when the staff was assembled, so I kind of had to prove myself. Mm -hmm. I remember the first. Uh, my first time meeting uh, Deb Giordano, who's the vice president of operations. And I was, uh, she walked up to me and I stuck my hand out to shake her hand. I said, hi. And I went to say my name. And in the middle of it, she's like, oh, I know who you are. She's like, I've heard about you and we're very excited to have you on board. Yeah. See, that's, that's, so one that good, that's a very great. good thing to have happen. I've had yeah. similar type of things with, uh, it's actually for me, uh, umpiring wise, like specifically getting back into it now. Mm -hmm. I've had 
people reach out. Like, I wasn't planning on this year really doing – I mean, I was going to do some games, but not, like, a ton. And there's – out of the blue, you get contact, like, hey, you need to you need to be working games. So it's kind of, like, yeah, I'm kind of forced back in. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's uh, it's a good thing to have. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, um, so what is your – you said you play a lot of mixed games. So if it were to be any one game, what is your game of choice? Uh, I would say – Probably Omaha 8 or better. There's three variants, the Limit version, Pot Limit, and then the Big O version with the five cards. So probably I would say Omaha 8 or better for me. Um, I don't know why. I mean, I started out with Hold'em, and then it just became boring to me. Two cards, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I kind of trended towards the, the Omaha for me was more action, and I just enjoyed it more. And I found more softer spots available. And the No Limit Hold'em started to grow. The players were getting better. I, I wasn't... You know, I, I was a decent player. I, I don't know if I was top notch, but I felt I had a better edge in the mix game. So yeah, I, I agree with that totally. Like the time frame that you talked about before, um, yeah. with the poker stars days, full tilt days, I could literally not even play well and make mm-hmm. money. So right. like right. nowadays, you have to. I mean, it's very, very much you know, a hundred times harder to make money. For but sure. the interesting thing is, I've noticed that you have been dipping back into no limit hold'em a little bit more than I thought you were going to actually. Like, yeah, hasn't it been like two tournaments already this year or something. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I have been, and I yeah. Um. So most recently, I had the one that I think you played also in Daytona yeah. last week. That, um, I was actually going to go to Hollywood that week because I really enjoy going to Hollywood. It is far, but I like to make a five day trip out of it. They do the quarterly series with the huge fields, huge guarantees. Yeah. Um. But I saw this one. The previous one in in November was the four hundred buy in two million guarantee, and I was there for that. And I did run really deep in that. I finished three hundred and. Yeah, you did awesome in that. Yeah. yeah, and then I also, the night before, I chopped a, a PLO8 tournament. So um, I was looking to go in January for the Lucky Hearts, which I think just concluded. But I saw Daytona had a 200K, uh, 400, and I'm like, the one in Hollywood was 600 buy-in, million guarantees. So and, like, you gotta, oh. and you got to drive four hours. Yeah, yeah, so 600 buy-in or 400, and then drive 20 minutes or drive four hours. So I, I'll probably hit up the next series they have in April. Because mm-hmm. that'll probably go back to the 400 buy-in and probably million two man guarantee. Yeah. And then that opening week I like because they throw in the mixed games. So if I make like a Wednesday through Sunday trip, uh, the flights start on Wednesday. But they also have like an Omaha eight tournament. They have the next day they'll have Big O. The next day they'll have Horse. So I can play all the games I like and then still find a flight or two to try to get a bag in, in the uh, yeah. limit, which is what happened in uh, November. I played one bullet and I bagged them. Made it must be nice. No, I. Uh, so that exact tournament that you're talking about. So this is a true story. I, I think I've told this before, but like, I'm not one to like give bad beat stories. But like, this last time I played the $400 big guarantee, the two million guarantee, the year before you went deep, mm-hmm. I played two bullets. I drove the whole way and bought in, and literally the same. De- I got re- I was knocked out, rebought in, and knocked out by the same dealer. And it was, I've never had this happen in my career. I had set over set twice in a matter of like 10 hands. And it was like, one of the boards was like nine, eight deuce. I had eights, the guy had nines. The other one was like a seven high board and I had seven. So I had top set and the guy went crazy with aces and the turn was an ace. So like I got just, mm-hmm. you know, it, it yeah, is poker. Nice. It is what it is. Yeah. But I just thought it was funny that I, in a matter of 45 minutes, I drove the whole way with two bullets and I just was so, I, I mean, I could have fired another bullet, but I just was like, Screw this! I'm not, you know. And you went back home. I'm gonna take a break. I, no, I, I stayed for a little bit and saw some friends, but like, yeah. I just, 
I definitely took the rest of the day off because I was just going to punt everything that day mm-hmm. the rest of the day. So you definitely like tournaments more than cash, right? Yes? Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, definitely different playing styles yeah. for each. But I do I, – tournaments can be frustrating for sure, but you don't get that high when you run deep or win. And I've won some tournaments. They haven't been huge ones. But mm-hmm. the rush you get from winning a tournament or making a final table, to me, you can't yes. duplicate in a cash game. So, I agree. I agree with that, yeah. So that's why it's, I'm Cash games are, like, real short and, so like, you know – that feeling is is quick and then gone. Whereas tournament is just you're constantly trying to survive, and then when you hit the big hands, it's just there's nothing like it. Um, yeah. Here's a question I wanted to ask you. This is and because I I want your opinion on this because you've been in the industry so long. Uh, what is your what is your outlook of poker? Like, what do you think the future? So let me if I were to say, hey, Mike, what's poker going to look like in like ten years? What do you think are there going to be the biggest differences? Any, anything from cash games to tournaments? So what what do you think? Because like. My thing I keep hearing from people is uh, in 10 years, it's going to be hard to find a no-limit game. Some people will tell me. They think it's just going to be Pot Limit Omaha, and then there'll be way less no-limit. Do you think that's true, false? What do you think? Uh, I don't know about that. I think I don't – I mean, I think Pot Limit Omaha is gaining some uh, some steam, but I don't think it's ever going to overtake no-limit hold'em. I think Florida is a great state for poker. Obviously, right now, I think people would say Texas is like the hotbed for poker mm-hmm. with all the poker clubs. Um but I think uh, in Florida, I think that in 10 years, you're going to see uh, casinos are probably going to be more spread. Like right now, it's just the Indian reservations. I think somehow Florida is going to get casinos in the state that don't have to be on Indian reservations. Mm-hmm. And once casinos come and open up more availability, I think it's going to bring in a whole bunch of uh, new players. And then online poker, I think right now it's state by state. Florida mm-hmm. still hasn't. Yeah, for I I hate talking about that I because think, I've yeah. had numerous people tell me that if Florida's going to probably take the longest to get it, and I I've heard people I can't really get into why right now. I'd yeah. have to, but there's some certain things that people told me that like yeah, don't expect it anytime soon, which sucks. But I think you're right. If they were to, if we had online poker, the other thing is is like we now have sports betting, but it has to be on the it's the hard rock, you know, like the yeah. Indian deal. If you had that everywhere actual sports books at all these that were able to be at like say orange city or daytona mm-hmm. or everywhere mm-hmm. it would bring in so many people to sports bet and then like oh there's poker there yep and so i would the games would be immediately like 10 years reverted i think you yeah. know in terms of money so yeah i think it's possible to see another little mini poker boom especially yeah. if that were to happen and yeah. then uh I, I mean there could be an online poker another online poker one or with like you said the sports that's a good that's a good point people yeah. going in for sports bets and then being like but then if if we were so I, I i can't tell you how many people come in every day to our location and they're i as soon as they walk in the door and i see them looking around i'm like oh boy i'm like should, should i handle this one or do you because i know they're gonna say where's your slot machines where's your blackjack tables we get them all the time oh yeah I bet. so That's annoying and i i keep telling them look if the laws ever change and we're allowed to have it we will and then they mostly say okay thank you and then they walk out so all these people are out there looking for slot machines and blackjack and the casino yeah. If poker rooms are able to have that, you're going to have a whole bunch of new people coming in, yeah. and maybe, maybe you uh, happen to go in. No, no, I don't. Know if that's that's not a good example because you play poker already. But maybe somebody's wife loves slot machines, and she's like, yeah. "Oh, honey, there's slot machines. Let's go." And he's like, "I don't want to play slot machines," but he goes with her. and He's like, "Oh, there's poker. Yeah, I'll go play poker." Correct. Yeah. So See, I don't ever. I hate. I've in my life, I think, pulled a slot machine 
No, yeah, twice. I, yeah, me too. And I, I just don't do it. Like if I in the summer, I'll set like a little small amount of money aside when I go to Vegas for like play a little bit of roulette and maybe some craps or something with a buddy that or you know yeah. people that I know. But like the extent of my gambling outside of poker is very minimal because it's just a complete waste of money. It is. That's true, and that's good. You that know, you... if you if you win eight grand, you know, or eighty five hundred, you want to take the five hundred off the top just to go <laughs> have fun. Yeah, we've done that with Pot before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Anyway, um, but yeah, see, like that's I don't mind that, but I just oh god, I can't. Some of these people I see there that are just dropping thousands of dollars, it makes me sick. Yeah, um, for sure. So yeah, speaking of best best bet. So when is your next uh, stack tournament? Can you so, describe it? Yeah, we just I just found out last week. So we do have for February. We do have some good stuff coming up uh, promotion wise. Um, I I think so. But before I get to that, I, I think the one thing as far as the San Augustine location, we are a little bit on the slower side. Um, we could do better on promotions, and I'm trying to push management to understand. And I think they do, but. There's ideas we can do to try to promote the room better, mm -hmm. bring in some more promotional money to get more players in. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, um, we, we do have some promotions next month. We have uh, three days next month where we're giving out uh, over $1,000 every 30 minutes for high end. So on February 3rd, it's a Saturday, we're doing noon to 10, $1,000 high hands every 30 minutes plus $100 table share. Wow. So everyone at the table wins 100 and the winner gets 1000 uh, so that's a good promotion. And then the very next day on Sunday the 4th, we're doing 1500 every 30 minutes from 12 to 10. And then on the Super Bowl, I know a lot of people probably have Super Bowl plans, but if you wanted to go play poker on the Super Bowl, we're doing uh, lucky seat drawings every score in the football game mm -hmm. times it uh, 100. So every field goal, 300, every touchdown, either 6, 7, or 800 based on extra point, two point. Oh, okay. Um, Every time that happens, we do a lucky seat, and if you're logged into the table, you have a chance to win that 300, 700, whatever. So hopefully it's a high-scoring game. Um, yeah, yeah. And then it's leap year this year, so we're having a leap year bonus day on uh, the 29th, which is a Thursday. We're giving away $29,000 in high-hand money. Oh, um, so that's something to look at, too. $1,000 every 30, plus there's segments throughout the day, three-hour segments, Good and the higher. highest hand gets 2000 5000 or 2000 throughout the day. So. Mm -hmm. Um, but the stack the stack tournament we have is the the last Saturday of February, which I believe is the twenty fourth. Uh, we have a one day thirty uh, k guarantee, three hundred dollar buy in. Okay, so it's a it's a one day. One day. Okay. Um, and then we usually rotate. So although we did have a one day in December too, so we're kind of overdue for a multi day. I would think that would probably be March. But yeah. uh, one day thirty k. The December one got to seventy k, so we two two over doubled it. Yeah. And I think the winner was. Fifteen or twenty thousand. Um, mm -hmm. Good structure. Uh, Twenty-five thousand chips. Thirty-minute blinds. Uh, usually takes about twelve, thirteen hours to finish it. Um, and we run satellites the week leading up to that for eighty dollars satellite. I think it's one out of every four point five. It's not an exact number. It's not one out of four. Mm -hmm. One out of five. Roughly. Um, so if you want to try to satellite in for eighty bucks, and then the day we do the satellites, we do high hand winner. The high hand uh, table winners, everybody gets a ticket in the satellite. So if you are looking to play the satellite, just go that day a couple hours before the, the satellite. And if you don't happen to be on a table that wins one, people are selling them for 40 bucks. So mm -hmm. you could technically get a ticket for 40, win your way into the 300, and then parlay that 40 like Moneymaker did, but yeah. not into 2.5 million, but maybe into like 20 grand. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That, uh, so that probably that brings me to my, so the next events that I'm going to play, um, 
for sure going to play. Daytona has a single day the day after, so I might just make that. Two the single, day after that, yeah. Yeah, two single days. Buy-in, 100K. That's yeah, great, so yeah. it's like a, the 24th and 25th of February. The stack is the 24th. Yep. And then, yeah, $500, 100K guarantee at Daytona the next day. So both those terms are pretty good, like yeah. really good structure. For, I mean, that's the mm-hmm. best you're going to get, you know. Um, yeah. Have you, I wanted to ask you this question too. This is coming from uh, some people that are listening to the show or just friends of mine. Is in, Are any of the local uh, rooms going to, do you think, ever incorporate a PKO tournament? PKO? Yeah. Are you familiar with these? Have you heard of it? That's why I was wanted to ask you. So a progressive knockout format. Oh, progressive knockout. So Actually, like basically. I, I yeah, I didn't know. That. Yeah. Yeah. Is that going to be, because I know that there was one at the last series in Hollywood. They've started, the, the Hard Rock has started to do them, but they just started. So I'm thinking like, do you think it'll be just a little while till they see how those go and then figure out what they'll do from there, kind of trickle down? Yeah, so when I went to, so most years when I go to, because I've been to Vegas uh, every year since 2000, that first year I went in 2004, I've been every year since. And I usually come back with ideas uh, based on, so I, last year at the World Series, I remember seeing a progressive knockout tournament at the Venetian. How, how did they handle it though? Like how did you know, like so if the buy-in is like 500, uh, 300 so went to the pool and 200 to, or? Th- this was a $1,000 PLO progressive. Okay. And bounties were 200 all the way up until you were in the money. And once you got in the money, they became higher. Okay. I don't know if it was 2,000. I don't know if it was a mystery bounty. I can't remember. But um, the bounties definitely increased after you got in the money. But they start out with the two. So out of your 1,000 buy-in, 200 was held out for bounties and then okay. whatever for the rake and the rest of the prize pool. Okay. And then also, I should have mentioned earlier, and then also like like a mystery bounty. Do you think those will be coming to a- Yes, we have a mystery bounty coming in June. Uh, we're, we're affiliated with Poker Atlas. So there's uh, for poker rooms, There's a, most of them are under Bravo or Poker Atlas. So you can always download the Poker Atlas app, and then you can uh, check. It's for St. Augustine location only right now. We're going to probably move it to the other two rooms, but you can check the app and see how many cash games we have, how many are on the waiting list. You can even add yourself to the waiting list, hold your spot in line for an hour. It'll show you the tournaments we have coming up, the tournament clock, a live clock. You can see what level, how many players are in. Um, They're having a series in June. Um, Poker Atlas uh, series tournaments are kind of new. I think they just started a year ago, and I know they went to Texas. Uh, They're going to be in St. Augustine in June for, I think, a week or two. And they're doing a mystery bounty tournament. I think he said 600 buy-in is what it is looking like it might be. So okay. look forward to that in June. So that's good. That's yeah. awesome. Yep. Um, so as uh, next part, we're going to kind of move into maybe some strategy. So I wanted to ask you before we get into specific hands, mm-hmm. you talked about Omaha, uh, eight or better. Like if somebody's trying to learn me, like me, for example, mm-hmm. I mean, I played Omaha Eater better before, like at random times back when I was like playing poker, like a complete degenerate, mm-hmm. um, like every single day. Uh, yeah. How would you go about, st- like, what are some good sources to study to learn that now? Like old school books or do you, or new stuff? Yeah. So when I was getting into the game, I did get some books. I remember yeah. there was a, um, Ray Z was one of the authors. Uh, it was a, a split game book. I wish I remember the name of it, but okay. I did read two or three books. Uh, the two plus two forums. Are you familiar with the? Two yeah, books? yeah. Those back in the day were awesome. So yeah, I actually got the recommendations from the threads with the mixed games. People are saying read this book, read this book. So I did read two or three books. Gets you basic strategy. And so when I first started out, I was 
very tight player because that's when you're starting, you should kind of be more on the tight side. Mm-hmm. A lot of players nowadays jump into the game and they're just, you know, they haven't read, they don't understand, they're just in every hand. Sometimes it works out for them. I mean, sometimes you just, yeah, yeah you run like God, but. Yeah, if you get slapped by the deck. I that's... would say starting out, you need to uh, be more careful with your hand selections. Uh, don't play hands in an early position unless they're really good hands. Always look for two-way hands. Uh, don't get over-married to your low hands. Like if you have ace-deuce and you do flop a low, but you have nothing else, no high draw, no pair, and the board, there's a ton of action. There's times where you almost either need to put the brakes on or even fold. Uh, mm-hmm. Players don't understand that. Like, what do you mean fold? I have ace-deuce. I have the best low hand. But the problem is you have to fade a couple more cards coming, and plus two other guys at the table probably have the same exact low you do. And now when that pot's all said and done, one guy's getting half, and three of you guys are splitting the other half, and yeah. you're like, wait, what just happened? And you just lost a bunch. And if you would have folded on the flop, you would have saved a lot of chips. So um, I would say that is a key part, um, trying to play hand. And when you do f- have that low hand with the big high potential, is to try to get as much chips in the pot as you can. Trying so to you want to have the low court. locked up, and then with a just the draw to the nut high yeah have basically. that straight draw flush gotcha. draw or you have a set and a low or something huge or a low draw that's uncounterfeitable like mm-hmm. flop eight five four you have ace deuce tray so you're not going to get counterfeited on the turn or if you, you only have ace deuce and then that deuce comes on the turn you're like oh, you're, yeah you're screwed i got nothing yeah. I, yeah. I have a live ace and i'm yeah so yeah th- that would be my uh my tips for beginners just to um play a little tighter and play position uh, always like position play, yeah. yeah um th- now I've been playing the game longer, so I'll play hands like King Queen Jack Ten, which is a high low game, which is not the greatest hand, but or King Queen Queen Nine. I can play those hands because I know if I'm going to hit that flop, especially on the high the high cards, mm-hmm. there's usually not going to be a low, so you can win whole pots. You're not splitting yeah, pots. Yeah. So there's hands that I played after playing for all these years that maybe as a beginner you might not want to play because you can get in trouble with it. You might just flop a pair. And just not be able to fold it. But I know with that type of hand, you're looking to flop sets or straight draws or flush draws, mm-hmm. and just a pair isn't going to. Yeah, that, that's one of my goals for this year uh, is that leading up to going out, I go out to Vegas every year, usually every year, um, try to. And so this year, I'm going to try to play a different game. Like, I'm going to, I, I really have been eyeing like a PLO tournament. I want to play, I've never played a PLO tournament. I played them online, but I've never played one live, and I've seen. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I wrote like the six hundred, eight hundred dollar, just something that I can get my feet wet a little bit and just have more or less fun with it. Um, but then I'm also going to try to do something um, mixed game related when I'm out there too, just to yeah mix it up and keep it uh, keep it kind of fresh and have a day like kind of a like build it into like so there's a break between holding tournaments so it kind of keeps mm-hmm. me going. But so that's that's my plan. Um, yeah, they're fun. So we were going to talk about a couple strategy hands like i had one you had one do you want to talk about a hand that you had first yeah or do you want me to, yeah you can go yeah. ahead because i'm interested in the feedback like I, I i'm actually interested in see what your feedback is because i think there's arguments for both sides but so i was at the the daytona 200k uh last weekend and honestly it's one of the softest tables i've been in and i can remember like i remember mm-hmm. going on break and i was like this can't be real like the table was I, I felt exactly. I had like three really good players immediately to my left, and then but everybody else was just yeah, no horrid. So I it kind of made my table hard, like a dynamic, dynamic little hard because like there were people th- three betting me light all the time, like you know. So, so mine was a complete opposite. I had one guy who was a legitimate player, and the rest of the table, I'm not kidding, all the rest of the seven others, just. <laughs> 
it was like almost like taking candy from a baby. Like yeah. nobody was check raising, nobody was three betting. Everyone's just limping, limping in, yeah, calling wow. a raise and then folding. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. So we started with uh, what was it 30k? 30k, yeah. So level one break, I'm at 50k, and I've just. <laughs> I didn't even have to show down hands. It was crazy. I was just like, wow, this is easy. Oh, so they weren't even calling you down? No. Like, oh, wow. No. Nope. That's even better. And I wasn't even getting great hands. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. I even went to the tournament director at Byron. I was like, Byron, please do not break this table or move me. I'm begging <laughs> yeah. you. He's like, don't worry. You've got like five tables to break before you. So um, I'm cruising along, and I get to the situation where I want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, okay. I had 50,000 chips, and the blinds were 500,000. Okay. Yeah, 50 bigs. 50 bigs, uh, 30 minute levels. Um, one guy at the table had more chips than me, um, and it wasn't for good play. He must have just, you know, he got his chips however. I can't remember exactly, but not because he was a good player. Um, he, I, I raised with queen, nine of spades in middle position. Okay. Uh, the guy in the button, I raised to 2,500. So 2.5x, all right. He goes to 5K, which is so I, just a real small. I, I never min click. I don't. I hate no. that stupid. So he min clicks to 5K. The big blind calls. I call queen nine of spades. So the guy over calls, and you just call. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Three ways to the flop. The flop was ten of spades, eight of clubs, tray of spades. Ten, so eight, three, two spades. I have a queen nine of spades. So With I have a gutter ball, a jack, and then a queen. So I'm like, wow, this is a huge flop. I'm I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, um, the Line checks. So the three better checked? No. No, sorry. Oh, yeah, the yeah. button. Okay. He checked. I checked to see what the guy who min clicked me does. So there's like 15 plus 16K yep. in the pot? Yep. Oh, he bets okay. 5K. Um, he has about 30. I have 50. The other guy has 60 or 70. Okay. He bets 5K. The small blind raises to 25K. I'm like, ugh. So a lot of times in tournaments, that might be a spot where you're like, so then, of course, you know, I'm like, all right, any jack, so four outs there, and then the, the eight spades that are not, there's nine spades, one of the jack. So I have 13. 13 outs. 13 clean outs, probably, unless he has an ace yeah. high or king high flush. Correct, yeah. So I'm like, all Here's right. Here's the thing. How much of the small blind, so the, or sorry, the, you, it went, it went check, check. Check, check, 5K, 25K. And then the, and then the blind made 25K. So he's never folding, and I'm not going to call half my chips. So I'm either folding or all in. And you had him covered, so no, he had me covered. Oh, the small blind was the guy that had you covered. Yep. Oh, wow. so I'm like as huge as this flop is, and I have probably have 14 outs or 13 outs. Um, the table's too good. Like I, I can find a better spot. Correct. I, so I, I did fold, but on break, I told players like, well, what, "What are you folding?" I'm like, "Well," and I explained to him why. And so I don't. I think I would get mixed uh, okay. reviews. Okay. So on that. my not, opinion like, on this is he he had like. 60k or 70k so he had you covered and he made 25 he made 25 so he's not going so he's never going to yeah once he once he does that the thing is there's too many times where he either has um i mean he either has a set sometimes just by the lucky like threes once in a while or he has a random two pair uh, wouldn't you think or that's, a bigger flush draw or, or a bigger flush draw there's enough times he has a bigger flush draw where i think yeah you got to just fold it yeah and you're exactly not. right your your strategy is this table is going to give me chips mm -hmm. The one thing that I look at when I sit down at those tables is, is if I'm playing it over there, like, or any tournament, it doesn't matter, but, like, if it's like you're saying limp, 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 and then mm -hmm. I say, for example, like, thousands, thousand, 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 and all of a sudden, then it's to me, and I've got aces or something, and I make it, like, 6,000, and I get calls, or anything of along those natures, mm -hmm. especially in the early levels, mm -hmm. you know immediately that your table is just full of just complete idiots. Yeah, yeah. So then you're more likely to do what you do. Like, 
Like if you over jam and then that guy's probably fold. You know what ended? Did he? You folded the guy fold. Yeah, yeah. So and he's going to fold it. if you would. Yeah. So you're probably. I mean, have you, have you looked at it like what is your equity if you if you, let's just say he had ten three, let's say he flopped two pair. You know, he just was in the blind. Yeah. Or no, he doesn't have that because he. No, he called a. He was in the big blind, right? And he called a raise and a re-raise. Okay, so yeah, if it came 10-8-3, you know, you had queen nine, so he's not going to have, you're blocking uh, like nine seven of spades. Mm -hmm. You're blocking that. You're, jack uh, nine. Jack nine is blocked. So if he's just calling there, I think he, honestly, like king, could maybe king jack of spades is possible, mm -hmm. but that's only one, like. Yeah, because if he has ace king of spades or ace something of spades. He the may... 10, 10 was a spade, though? Yeah. Okay, so he can't have like, ace-10 of spades. He, he could have had, like... Ace-jack of spades. Ace-jack of spades makes sense. Ace-king of spades, maybe he re-raises pre-flop. I, yeah, I do think ace-jack and king-jack of spades, though, actually, when you raise and it's just min-clicked, I think that's just, just too strong of a hand where he just he can't fold it, but he can't raise it either, so that falls into that area. And sets of threes and sets of eights, yeah. maybe. I think he's also knowing that when it's min min clicked, it's kind of suspicious. And so, like, if he calls, he's he's knowing that he's getting implied odds of you're probably just going to call. You're probably not going to. I mean, yeah, most likely. So, I mean, I think there's certain table dynamics of scenarios where I would ship it all in there. And maybe I've, at a tough table, I'm like, oh man, this is a yeah. good shot for me to double up and more. You know, double up plus yeah. his his 10k dead, so I can go from 50 to 120. Mm -hmm. but not that table. It was just too good. And, I mean, the end of the story is I finished in level 12 or 13. I th they ended up playing nine hours, nine and a half hours for bagging, and I played like seven and a half hours. Yeah. So I missed bagging by a couple hours, but eventually I got down to ace-king suited on the button, and the guy had jacks, and we had to race, and I didn't win the race. Yeah, I did the same thing. I made it to like level 11. and like Yeah, somewhere else. I just got like, I just kept on just grinding. So I, you know, I'd get myself up to about 20, 25 bigs, and then, Triple down fifteen, and I, there was no. I just didn't have spots where I could normally like pick up free chips or like you know steal pots like you'd normally try to. It just mm -hmm. was, it was, it was brutal in my table. Um, yeah, the hand that I had that um, was, I wanted to ask you is so like if you've got it's my table dynamic was the people to my left were like the three solid players, like three in a row. At, it, it really was truthfully in all honesty. Like I'm not. I, I knew two of them were monster type that have cashed many yeah, so times that's, regulars. That's not seat. not like the ones that just get lucky and just play so many tournaments that you see them. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about like legitimate. I've seen them at multiple locations. Yeah. Um, and so I had ace queen offsuit like under the gun plus one. So I finally okay here I got a hand like I finally have something that, and I I raise I make it like uh, first of all it, my levels were sorry it was like five it was five hundred thousand as well. All right, what are you are you early position? Are you making it two and a half every time? What did, do you vary it? Um, I, I think later in the tournaments when the blinds get really big is where you're looking to do the min raises a lot. Of, okay. So Sorry. early on, I don't. Yeah, I think two K is not enough. So twenty five hundred, three K. It doesn't seem like people are three X in that much anymore. Correct. So yeah. Twenty five hundred. So, see, I kind of made the like once I got to the thousand big blind, I should have realized like I was only making it two K. But I, so I guess in hindsight, I probably need to make twenty five hundred, maybe twenty seven hundred or something like. Yeah. That. A little bit more, but I don't think it really would have changed what happened. So I made it 2K, okay. and then it goes call the really good player in the um, in like the cutoff called button, then makes a weird like. So I made it 2,000. He makes it like 
kind of like your situation, 4,600. You know, it's like it's like he's almost – in those positions, like good players, though, that's sometimes they're trying to get you to – they're sometimes. Yeah. But but I just felt like he was – so in my scenario, I felt like he was being way, playing way too wide and trying to take advantage of the fact that I – he to him it appeared that I wasn't playing enough hands, but I just was kind of dead for a couple levels in terms of our dead. So, like, mm-hmm. he just was trying to take advantage of me. Oh, you're just a tight player that has to have something just like – which I can see it, it makes sense for him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it got around to me, and I just ripped in like 24K after that. <laughs> like I just, I literally ripped, and he just immediately just boxed, which it really wasn't that much. I mean, he had a 100K stack too, so it's not like it would have affected him that much. So I was right in my instinct that I, he was messing around. But do you, do you think, of, my question for you is, in that scenario, do you think if I think that about him, would it be better off to call and get more chips in, guarantee to get more chips in? Mm. Or what do you think? Like, see, that's my dilemma. Well, what's your um, what's your view of this player? Like, how? What, what's your thoughts on this? So he was the, one of the better players. He was one of the better players, but he was. Here's what was happening. So he was the end of the. It was myself, and then two other pretty solid players, and he was the best player. Mm. And he was basically just taking advantage of everybody. He he was raising. Opening or you three betting way more than anybody at the table and just mm-hmm. taking down position. He he three bet the fish early, and it would raise or enter the pot with limps, and then he'd just raise it on the button with any two cards. Basically, they check check bet win. You know yeah, what I mean? Like he's just taking the, exploiting them like bad. So I think in that scenario with the table dynamic with the three players to your left, um, I I actually you're in that chip stack range in my opinion where it, I hate it like. I wish you had 15 big blinds or 30, yes. not 20. Well, you started the hand with tw- about 24. Uh, yeah, it was like 25, I think, at yeah, the beginning. Yeah, so, so it's like I wish you were in the teens or above 30 to where the decisions, like the teens, boom, ship it. The 30s, you don't have to ship it. But 20s, yeah, you're kind correct. of in that gray area. So Yeah, that's what I thought too. I I don't know. I, I felt like... I don't hate the ship. I mean, he'll wake up with Ace King sometimes. He's like, "Damn it, what am I shipping twenty four big?" Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, with the with your your view of them being solid players, uh, I, I I don't hate it, and it worked out for you. My thought was though at this point, like with based on my stack, if I would have just called, I would have had like exactly like twenty left, or like nineteen bigs left, I think, or whatever it was. And so if I just call at that point with my stack size, basically what I do is, and I, I I've been studying some of this like. I don't know if you think this is right or not, but basically, roughly between 15 and 20, bo- 20 big blinds or less, if you're flop top, top, like top pair, like if a queen or a side board comes, I'm never folding my hand. Now, so what would you do? Check and then get so it that's in? So that's, that's what I'm saying. Like check, go, raise all in, yeah. check, raise it all in, probably. Yeah. Or um, like there's scenarios where you can get away from like a, a big top pair if the hand plays a certain way, like if you're deeper, like if you have 50 or 60 bigs and all of a sudden you, C bet your ace, and then it goes a call and a raise or something like that. You know that that you know you beat mm-hmm. pretty much. Like so, there's scenarios where, you, like I said, you can get away from it. Like I've had this happen before, where I've like had like I don't like doing this or letting anybody know that I do this. But like there have been a situation in Tampa where I had like ace king early, flop king high that comes like king six five, and I C bet and I get a call and raise and I sit there and I fold like a you know like wow I can't believe I'm folding this. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, they get it all in one and set of fives, you know. So I know that it's not often, but especially yeah. if, if you know it's a better player and you're making your move from early position, they also have to respect, they know that you have 
probably the top of your range if you're going to be making it. Not necessarily, but. Yeah, depending on your. When you're out of position, you really don't want, like, I've been doing much more checking if I'm, like, way out of position, like with a big hand. If I, if I miss, it's just because I feel like it's a waste of a bet sometimes. Not always, but. Here, yeah. So. yeah. Um, so when are you, uh, when's, when's the next tournament you're going to play? Uh, I mean, I was looking at that one in February, but uh, for me, probably, I mean, February is already next month, or yeah. next week, actually. Um, yeah, that's crazy. March, time. March, we have a cruise. We're doing a cruise in March. Um, I'm looking, I'm, I think it's probably going to be the Hollywood. Uh, I think it's April, March 30th. It starts at the very end of March and goes for two weeks. Um, so probably that last weekend in March, first weekend in April, when okay. the schedule gets released, I'm going to look at it probably doing that trip for me. Yeah, um, I do have uh, from school. I have a spring break the last week of March. I'm actually pretty sure that it starts like in the mid, like either Wednesday or Thursday in the middle of the spring break. So like I think that weekend, the ending weekend of spring break is their their first big multi day. So maybe I'll okay, I'll maybe make it happen. Um, yeah, so that's probably. I mean, we'll see, maybe something else will pop up, but because uh, I can actually play in Jacksonville and Orange Park if I want. Um, a little far, mm -hmm. but. So I'll keep an eye out for. Oh yeah, do they have a? Do they have a? Uh, their what's their what's it called again? The GoPo four hundred is that? Oh yeah, the GoPo in Orange Park. They do every. Yeah, that's probably. Not this weekend, is it? I I, I wish I'll I, have to look it up. Yeah, I I can't tell you right now. Which I, I, I should know, but I don't I don't have it right now. All right, and then I didn't tell you anything about this, but who do you got for the games this weekend? We're just gonna. Football side. Uh, yeah, so I definitely like my sports betting, but not very good at it. But um, I can make arguments. So I'm gonna. T so I can make arguments for. So the Kansas City plus three and a half argument is easy because it's like Mahomes, and there seem to be every single year in the championship game or the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I think I saw a stat where he's nine and one mm -hmm. as an underdog or a road something. Yeah, he's so, never had a AFC championship on the road though. Correct. True. I think so. But we'll see. I don't even know if he had it, like the game against Buffalo. I think yeah, that, that was his first road. Yeah, that was yeah, his first and road. He passed play. that test. So um, I can make an argument for being a close game and just take the three and a half. Maybe they lose by three, they might win. Um, then you got the Baltimore. You know, Lamar Jackson's mm -hmm. having an MVP year and they look great. Yeah. Um, and then Sam Fran, Detroit. Detroit's the story. Everyone, you know, Cinderella story. They look good. Um, Debo Samuel might not play, which would be big for. It's seven points. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, I guess I would take right now probably Kansas City plus three and a half and I guess San Fran minus seven because it feels like everyone's saying it's gonna be Baltimore I, I San think Fran. It, yeah, I think it's gonna uh I do I did happen to see something just literally right before I came over. Debo practiced like almost fully today, so he's Okay he's so probably he gonna play. play. The only thing you run into is like if he takes a big hit on that shoulder in the middle yeah. of the game, you know, early maybe he gets maybe re injures it, but He's definitely going to play, at least to start. Yeah. So we'll see. So I think I'm going to take uh, – I just really hope the Lions win, though. Cause I, I just – I want some team that's never been there before to get there. Yeah, it'd be fun. And then, but the at the same time, I'm a Broncos fan, so, like, if the Chiefs win, I, it better be, like, the mm -hmm. Niners playing them then. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't want I, – I don't think the Lions pose as much of a threat to the Chiefs as, like, the Niners do, but – We'll see. So. Uh, a lot of my step my wife was from Michigan. Her whole mm -hmm. family's from Michigan. So the whole family, there's a group chat on game oh, day, God, and they're yeah. all when the Lions were scoring, the phones were blowing up. So. so so they're having a great year because Michigan won. Are they all Wolverine fans or some of them uh, Spartan fans? You know, ironically, it's weird. Michigan State. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're a Michigan right. State fans. So my cousin actually. I guess it's the part of Michigan that they maybe grew up in. Yeah, yeah. 
I got um, you. Just like Florida and Florida State. If you're in the Panhandle, you're Florida State, and if you're, um, so a lot of them were lion. They're all Lions fans. So and they haven't won it in forever. So yeah, I, I guess. I'm taking Sam Fran plus seven or minus seven, and yeah. I'm taking the Chiefs plus three and a half. But if you want to make money, bet the other side of both of those and yeah. collect your money. I it's so win. funny you say that because I I've win. literally kept – it's been like a running joke with a couple other buddies of mine in our fantasy football league. Like, uh, They've given me the nickname literally Mush for bets because like, I swear to you. Yeah. I'm not making this up. Like, Out of probably 20 different times of whatever I've said in our group chat, it's been like 17 out of the 20 times the team that I have said it's been the opposite way. So, like, if anybody would have just been listening to our chat, just yeah, bet the just opposite way I said, they would yeah. be just yep. rolling in cash right now. Yeah, that's so, how I feel. So. Um, but, yeah, man, well, I want to thank you. I appreciate you. And, uh, like, maybe yep. we'll, uh, down the road we'll have you on again or something. We'll talk about some hands moving forward. And then <laughs> the puppies are on that's dad back. So that's the howling. I don't know if you can hear it, but they're so I got you. All right, y'all. Well. Yeah. Um, until next time, keep on easy living. Yep, thanks, man.